Hello, everybody, and welcome to Making It. This is episode 113, and I'm just here alone today, so you're going to have to listen to me. I'm just kidding. I'm here with Dave Picciuto. Hey, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> and Bob Clark. I'm here as well. Awesome. You're not on your, on your own. Good job. Way to take over the intro. Yeah, I'm just having right. fun. He did, he did a great job, so now he has to do it every time from now on, right? Yeah. Oh, my deal? God. I'm still sweating. I have flop sweat from... <laughs> See how fast I went through that? <laughs> Jimmy emails us and says, hey, I'm quitting the podcast unless, unless you guys let me take control. I want to host it. I want to run the show. And this is this is how it's going to be or else I'm out of here. And so yeah, here we it's gonna are. It's going to get posted in 10 Fridays. David doesn't get to edit. He doesn't get to post the podcast anymore. It's like all Jimmy. All Jimmy. Oh, my God. So sure send you your complaints to Jimmy Duresta at... <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> all right. So, guys... What yeah. are we working on? I have not started any new projects yet, uh, but I will tomorrow. When Eric comes over, I'm going to do some some Glowforge stuff. I'm going to experiment with that again. And um, I think we're going to do Can the... Can you tell us what? Uh, yeah, I think we're going to redo the air freshener video. Oh, nice. And um, if there's time... Those should be some pretty quick videos, so there, if there's time, I might do a couple of little shot projects and just film those as well, so I can kind of scatter those releases out throughout the next couple of weeks. Sweet. Hey, can, yeah. can I ask a question? Are you allowed to make any tree, or is it just tree and the word air freshener, those things combined together? Is that trademark? You know, I would have to contact my lawyer to answer that question, and I don't want to because my lawyer charges me by the hour so i'm not going to make any tree i'm just going to make a smelly no something or other yeah right on that's <laughs> funny. smelly something or other. yeah <laughs> maybe it'll be a foot there you go that's nice. funny yeah well for me um let's see <clears throat> i've been i'm working on a different thing for next week right now which is a pain because i hate painting and i'm doing a lot of painting um but for this week i'm putting out the thing you asked about last week oh yes uh, behind me here it's a large scoreboard, and so oh, that's it's cool. a it's about like three feet wide, maybe eighteen inches tall, and uh, <clears throat> it's a scoreboard and it's Bluetooth controlled, so you can pull out your phone, change the score between two teams. Get out of here! Yeah, no, for real? I'm not gonna get out of here. This is my podcast too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. That's that's uh, amazing. Yeah, so it, it's actually really easy to put together. All the little light, the well, they're big light things for each one of the bulbs is uh, 3d printed so i had to print 60 of these little black cups and a clear diffuser to put on the front of them and they all have an led from the back and so yeah it turned out pretty cool i mean like the actual execution of it could have been better like i could have spent more time on paint and you know all the stuff that i always could spend more time on that i don't really care about um but getting it to work in a relatively short amount of time was pretty cool what do you use them for the app um, I found, I'll oh, see if I can remember what it's called. It's just a free one on the App Store, and it's called BLE, because it's Bluetooth, so low energy, BLE 101, and it's made to work exactly with the Arduino board that I'm using. Um, and it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a really general Bluetooth app, so it the controls on it are just like buttons, and you can't say, you can't name them, or you can't, you know, customize a lot about it. But if you wanted to, you could write a really simple custom app to do the same thing. You know, if you wanted to actually have team names and stuff like that. Um, I just went for kind of the lowest common denominator to make it work so more people would be able to get it up and running. Because the whole idea with it was 
it's a relatively big but simple so you could have if you had a large classroom or even a gymnasium this thing's big enough that you could see it at a distance and then you can you know obviously control it from like across the gym which is pretty cool so or you could hack it as a student right with your <laughs> yes. own phone yeah mm. yes you could there's no security built into it at all mm. <laughs> so yes you could but you know proof of concept so uh, Jimmy just liked a really interesting video on Twitter. I just saw the name of it pop up. So. Oh, right on. <laughs> That's funny. That's, I accidentally hit play on that. That was the noise you heard a second ago. Um, I'll explain <laughs> that when I tell you what I was been up to. But um, the scoreboard you made, it, it's very reminiscent of my high school scoreboard that was probably made in the 1960s or 70s. I mean, by now, I'm sure it's different. But it, it's a series, a grid of, of LEDs that create the number and in several shapes. Yeah. So it must look really nice in dusk. Does it look good in the daytime? And it, I mean, of course, at nighttime it probably looks great, but in the, in the daytime, it is looks, it bright enough? It looks okay. Yeah, it looks okay in bright light, but it definitely looks better when it's, well, my uh, Amazon thing just beeped at me. I guess I said her name. Um, it, it looks the best when the lights are off and at a distance that's helpful. Right. Yeah, but in like a really bright light, you can see <laughs> Same it. Same with me. I look great. best with the lights off and at a distance. <laughs> I'm sorry. Good point. Go ahead. You too. Um, yeah. But so what's interesting is that when I was looking up some kind of examples of scoreboards, I looked at the ones like you're talking about, like the old big ones with the big round bulbs, you know, and that's kind of what I modeled it after. And originally I yeah. had thought about doing a seven segment display. So where like your alarm clock, where you have a, a number that's made out of lines. So there's seven lines that make up the number and then you light those up. And I thought down that path a little bit, and I thought, you know, it's like, I could probably figure it out, but I think it would be cooler and older looking to make the ones with big bulbs. So it's a grid of bulbs instead. Well, so I finished this video like two weeks ago, and it's been out for sponsor approval and all this stuff, and I've had it done. It's just been sitting there. And uh, in that two weeks, uh, John Park from Adafruit, you guys yep. probably have seen yeah, him. Yeah, John from Make a, Make a Friend. Yeah. He put up... Um, a video about making a giant seven-segment display for a Ninja Ninja Warrior course timer, and it's super cool. Like, it's funny though because we I thought about making those numbers in the same way that he ended up making them, um, but I just decided to go a different path. So as soon as I saw his video, I was like messaging him, like, "Oh man, that's so cool! I thought the same thing." That's but funny. Anyway, his turned out really, really cool, and his are all like laser-cut acrylic, so he's got you know layered. Where the cutouts are, the diffusers are the diffusers are one level, and then he has like a black grid on top of them, and it, it turned out really cool. I'll put that in the notes because it's a good video. And that reminds anyway, me, I'm done. Um, during Make a Fair, you guys weren't in New, you guys in New York. I can't even remember anymore. It's one big blur. Nope. During New York Make a Fair, Laura Comp came and she gave uh, Jocko a gift, and it was a grid of these little tiny flip these little like. When you see a European train station and the times change and all these little things flick flicker, and it's a little yes. thing that flips from one color to black. Typically, she gave me one of those. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, she yeah. bought a bunch of them That's from awesome. a flea market or something, and we were all playing with it. And like you hold it one way and it all turns yellow and you flip back. So it's, each one has its little diode or whatever that makes it flip. And and I always thought that those were amazing and also very mysterious. I have no idea how they work. So. So that's a yeah, third the, version of making numbers, like yours, John's, and then that's a third one I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. And the it's really interesting. The one that she gave me still had the connector on the end of it because there's tons of wires that come out of the back of it, you know, for whatever yeah. control it takes. And I was really surprised at how complex and how big the connector was that 
it hooked in. I don't even know what it hooked into some crazy computer, but the connector was like a good, maybe two and a half, three inches long and like half an inch thick. And there were, you know, probably a hundred wires going into the back of the thing. It's crazy for just a few characters worth of numbers. Yeah. But. Yep. And like anything, yeah. the, the smaller the pixels are, the more in focus you can get that number up close. Right. And the ones we're talking about are like the little tiny little flip dots and yours are bigger. And then the John Park ones are just straight lines. <clears throat> so um, what have I been up to this weekend? I went to, I was invited. Now, I don't know if it's kind of outside of our realm, but it's not really outside of our realm. There's the All Me channel. You guys know the All Me channel? Oh, yeah, and I think all, so. Yeah, the All Me oh. channel, I think it's owned by Google. It's, it's started by Google. And then they have actual, they have uh, episodic TV shows on there. Episo- well, yeah. it's not really episodic in the way that, you know, it's not scripted. But it's a show, they have all different shows on there. And one of the shows is uh, Reforged, I think is the name of the show. And the guys make swords. That come out of video yeah. games, and you've seen it. It's it's flashed all over YouTube. I mean, there's little bits and pieces of it everywhere. Well, the yeah. guys that run it are Baltimore Knife and Sword. The other guys that are on the show, and one of the brothers, uh, it's a, a family business, and one of the brothers who's not on the show is a fan of mine and ours. And and Emery is his name. Emery, thank you. Some of you probably listening. Emery called me or contacted me and invited me out to their hammer in where they all get together and. Just work on the forge, and so me and Brett, Brett's my new shop hangout, uh, we drove down to Baltimore this weekend, and we spent two days at the Baltimore Knife and Sword Works, and got some proper instruction on how to blacksmith, stuff that I've never done before, things I've never done and learned about, and so the very first day, I just literally hung out and listened to, and didn't say a word, I just watched and videotaped, and just watched guys working as much, I, I was probably the least experienced guy there as far as forging goes. But I just listened and learned. And then at the end of day one, when it wasn't as crowded, because a couple of guys went out to eat, I started working on a piece of metal. And that'll, that's going to be a new video for me. I started working on this knife. And what I'm about to say kind of pertains to a little bit about what we're going to talk about. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I made a crisp blade, a wavy blade. And everyone's like, yeah, let me see you hammer that out. Let me see you hammer that. Yeah, you, anybody can grind it, but you know it's like any complicated thing you make. There's always going to be somebody that says, "Yeah, that's not." Let you know. Let me see you do it without electric. You know. Let me see you do it. So this Eyes closed. <laughs> this crisp blade. A lot of people's like, "Oh, it's not really considered a knife unless you hammer it," which I don't really understand. But so just as a matter of just curiosity, I hammered out a crisp blade, and it's not as complicated as the ones of comp as, as the ones I've ground out, but. I definitely learned a tremendous amount just hammering this simple wavy blade, which will be in the video. And mm. so I was just working on that a little bit today. Net went back in New York, and so I uh, was working on that a little bit this morning because it's you hammer it out, you get about eighty percent there, and then you got to kind of grind to the very finish. Um, whereas I started with a blank in my other video, just a big, basically reductive. This is kind of you you sculpt it out of a, like a lump, not necessarily a lump. It was a long rod that I hammered into a very long thin rod and then put the wave in it, then tapered it. So I learned a lot. And um, I just took advantage of being there with these guys that know so much. I asked a lot of questions. Now, there was a lot of talking about YouTube business and stuff. And I met a bunch of people, including the, the girl, Ellen, who I just liked her video. She does fashion with steel. She's pretty amazing. Does pretty amazing work. Um, and yeah, so I did that. And so that's uh, something. When I'm there, I got a much clearer idea of how I'm going to set up my own personal forging location and 
these guys have stuff this everything's just outside. I was always like under the assumption I got to kind of do it indoors. So that alleviated a lot of like my preconceived notions that I have to have everything inside because it's metal and it rusts, but it rusts and it doesn't seem to matter for most of this stuff. Because when you hammer it on it, it just gets smooth again anyway. So I'm looking forward now to setting up my shop because now I have a, a very clear vision where before I didn't. So I know where my blacksmith area is going to be upstate. And once it's set up, I definitely am sure I will get into making more and more stuff with the blacksmithing techniques that I'm learning. So what is the, so far, I mean, I know you're kind of just rolling into it, but what's like the biggest new part of that versus what you've, all the stuff that you've done before? Um, learning how to manipulate the metal under the head of a hammer and knowing like when hmm. you hit it, where it's going to go and manipulating it so that, you know, like the, one of the one thing that has always happened to me is like when you hammer the end of a piece of metal, it's called it, it fish mouths. You hammer it and then it turns into two long pointy things that come back onto themselves and controlling the metal so that it doesn't do that. And so it's, it's like basically squishing clay, but really difficult way of squishing clay. So you have to hit it with the hammer. And knowing that if you hit it here, where it's going to squish over there. And basically, and using the top of the anvil, I learned a lot of this from watching Rory May, Dirty Smith, knowing where to hit the hammer on the metal in conjunction with the edge of the anvil and how to utilize that to your advantage. And it's funny because a lot of the stuff I learned from watching Rory, I never really put into practice. And, t- and then when I was there with a proper forge that gets the metal to the proper heat and there's proper hammers and there's proper space to do it. With me, I got to like drag an anvil out, set my forge up, which I don't always have set up. And so, you know, all these little things just hinder your experience. But when you're in somebody else's shop that's completely devoted to doing this, you can just like dig right in and just say, okay, let me figure this out and not have to worry about, you know, burning a chicken or... You know, dropping the hammer <laughs> yeah. on my dog or my cat, and <laughs> that's always a worry for me. Burning the chickens, man. Mm. You know, mm. uh, burning a lot of like chicken. spray painting the chickens. They're, oh, they're... <laughs> and so it was. You know, I just kind of and like I said, the first several hours, I just listened and watched. I didn't. I did not touch anything because I didn't want to be presumptuous and think I knew exactly what I was doing. And by watching these guys, Damascus is another big thing. You know, multi layers of metal. And it's sort of the holy grail of this business, and everybody is trying to make Damascus. Uh, you know, all the other students were there mixing up and making Damascus. There was somebody showing off samurai swords, and I was like, "How old is that?" He goes, "So this is four hundred years old." Like this, like we're in a like a like a picnic area hanging out in this guy's backyard, and they're like, "We'll look at." It. I go, "So that's four hundred years old. That could that could have like maybe twenty or thirty you know dead bodies on that sword." He goes, "Who knows? It's it was like a shogun samurai sword from Japan." And, Dang. you know, it's a few thousand dollars in there. They were just showing and trading antiques. And nobody really, somebody was offering them for sale, but I don't think anybody bought them. But everybody knew the business of, you know, samurai swords. So I just kept my mouth shut and listened. And I learned a lot. So the, the Damascus thing, <clears throat> is that's the process of the folding the metal over? Is that what that is? Or am I wrong there? Uh, Damascus is multiple layers of metal. That you, you, you hammer them all together and they become forge welded from the heat by banging them together. Oh, and then they you. basically start to swirl together so you get a marbleization because the different metals will react differently. So you, you use different types of metals layered together. It's, it's like if you took like a, a, layered, a layer cake and you squished it all up and the strawberry and then the cake and all the different stuff doesn't actually melt together. It all stays. So instead of straight lines, you have squiggly lines everywhere. I always found that it doesn't photograph well, but when you see it in person, it's absolutely beautiful. It's true. The knife that I made the other day in the cane is a piece of Damascus that was given to me by 
one of our friends at the Atlanta, the Atlanta show last year. And it's a piece of Damascus. And in the middle of the video, I etch it so you could see like the different types of metal kind of show up in a different tone of black or silver. <coughs> and uh, by the end of the video, I polished it a couple times. So it really diminished that look. And then I got some pointers from the guys yesterday on how to make that a little bit more prominent again, just by leaving it in the acid bath much longer. They said like very long. In the beginning, I thought you just had to wipe it on. So that's why it was a little bit shallow. But you could make it so the different types of metal will etch deeper and deeper. So you actually could feel with your fingernail the different layers and the swirls. Hmm. And how, you, how does that affect the, the sharpness, like at the point, at the finest uh, that's, a, that's a good question because you, you use all metals that are knife-making metals. And, you know, so they all have various levels of hardness in the stratosphere of being hard enough to make a knife. And so that's how they react differently. Um, yeah. I didn't know that. I always wondered. I always thought you always had to have like a soft metal in there. But this weekend I learned that, no, you could just use all hard metals, but different types of hard metals with different carbon, you know, different amounts of carbon in them. And so now finally these numbers are starting to mean something to me, like 1084 and 1095. And I'm, I'm learning a little bit. I mean, I, I wouldn't pass the test, but it's starting to become a little bit more clear to me. When, you know, like when any kind of new industry, when people just start dropping numbers, you're like, you have no idea what they're talking about. You go, yeah, man, that's cool. Pretend <laughs> like you know, and then you go away and you're like, quickly Google. I'm going to go to the bathroom. You Google, like, yeah. what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Happens at Make a Fair all the time. Yeah. So I'm always yeah. running to the bathroom, so I don't look stupid. Um, <laughs> well, but it was a, it was uh, an, cur- it was an experience. Metal stuff. David. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, I know you like a while back you said that you were going to kind of put off metalworking stuff and now that it's starting to get warmer outside is that one of the triggers that's going to get you interested in in doing metalworking like welding and stuff or is it more space and location I I have like 18 19 excuses on why I'm not doing more <laughs> metalworking so the, okay. uh, the, the the quick short story is and uh, we discussed this last night in the live hangout uh, that I did, but um, I cleaned out my garage to make room and space to do welding. My brother came over, he showed me what's up, gave me some some scrap metal to to play with, and then over the course of a year, the garage turned into a huge mess again. And so, right now, if it would be a danger to mm. to the garage right now, uh, so I have to go clean out the garage. It's not it won't be that big of a deal, but. Um, I should be getting back into it. I have I have no real excuses. The weather's turning nice again. I you know, I just got to do it. I just I need to come up with a project that forces me to do it. Right. Yeah. Do you, Jimmy? You want to come up with a project for him? We can brainstorm real quick. Hit me. Yeah. <laughs> we can I back mean, him just, into a corner. <laughs> no, you just make a simple box. Just uh, you know, well, make a simple frame, or just make a little uh, like a series of table legs that you put a piece of wood on a frame well, that's, with four tape. That's all. That's definitely one of the thoughts that I have is uh, as I'm drawing up images for my desk that I want to build, it's going to be a corner desk. I thought, what if, and the, the parts of the desk are going to be very modular. So you can like remove parts of it to replace it again, because it's going to be very specific to like the, the phone that I have and the tablet that I have. So it all kind of fits in together. But I thought about making just metal tubular legs and then just welding the plates on top and maybe some sort of feet on the bottom which could be a in, in theory to me sounds really simple and if i mess yeah. it up it's a, an easy fix or very, not very noticeable you could basically make exactly what you did with the 
the aluminum solder legs oh, that you yeah. made a couple of years ago? Yeah, you can make yeah, exactly yeah. that. It's just with the same size steel, so you know you kind of have the familiarity of like the way those were attaching. I mean, that's as a, a basis. really good idea. No, that's a really good idea. Thank you. All right, I have something to do now. <laughs> All right, we're done here. Everybody we're done here. Nice yeah, bye. <laughs> See you guys next week. <laughs> um, so, like what you were talking about, making the the tubular legs and putting feet on them. <clears throat> a really simple way to do that, to so that they're adjustable, is just to drill a hole in the bottom plate and then weld on a nut. And then your feet have a bolt in them, and you can just screw them straight up into that nut. Mm. And that's, I mean, I'm sure Jimmy's done that a million times. I've never actually done it, but I know that that's a very quick and easy way to make an adjustable height yeah. steel leg. And there's a trick to doing that. Make sure you keep your, your bolt inside the nut, and just tack mm. it, and tack it, and check, and tack it, and check, and tack it, and check. Don't just blast it with weld and then expect the screw to unscrew because you're gonna like oh. fuse the weld. You're gonna fuse it if you over, if everything's like bright red and you're like, wow, that's gonna work. And then a second later, you go to unscrew the <laughs> bolt and it just snaps off, stays stuck in there. Uh-huh. Ask All me right. how I know. Yeah. Good tip. <laughs> how do you know, Jimmy? Because <laughs> I've done it fifty times. <laughs> so um, today's we're gonna talk about a couple things today. Uh, one topic that a couple of people asked us to talk about, which is pertains to my recent video, and then we're going to take some questions from Twitter. But a lot of people, in my recent video where I did my plasma table, you guys see that where I made that candle cage? I called it a candle cage. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I watched it today. Yep. When the tech was at the shop, and he was helping me, Matt from Torchmate, I said, you know what, while you're here, I want to try and bang out a little quick video, just to the beginning of the video. Because the minute he leaves is the minute the machine's not going to work, and it almost actually happened. So I was like, while you're here, let me at least cut all the parts I need to finish this video, so at least it goes smooth while you're here. He's in the video for a split second, you see. <clears throat> and I cut all those parts. Can I ask a question couple- real quick? Yeah. Uh, the pattern. Did you design that in Illustrator like on the fly while he was there, or is that like a preset thing that's in the machine? I, I did it on the fly. I wish I would have filmed it, because we, we were just playing on the, on the computer. He was showing me how to program some of the G-code. And I went to, I went to Google image search. I Googled pattern, and a bunch of patterns showed up. And that was one of the patterns. It was on a piece of fabric. I did a screen grab, brought it into Illustrator. I did a make and expand trace, and I got vectors. The, all hmm. the black became the vectors. It was a pattern on a piece of fabric, and cool. and that was became my my pattern for that cutout. And uh, in, in upcoming videos where I'm going to be lazy and use my CNC machine, I'm going to be really lazy and use my computer to do the drawing. So I'm going to show how lazy I can actually be and how much I've changed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to actually do the, the drawing on my computer, laying down with like the computer in a rack, like right in front of my face. <laughs> yeah, I've changed. So that's what we're yeah. going to talk a little bit about today is how bad I've changed and how horrible things are now for everybody <laughs> who watch me. <laughs> This show is all about Jimmy. <laughs> That's right. No, we're talking about change and how every one of us changes constantly. And I, I made the joke because Raina is my, my, my friend that's been on a couple of my podcasts. Raina's 15. Today is her birthday, so happy birthday, Raina. And she has had her YouTube channel since she was like 13. I forgot to mention that in the podcast, but in my vlog. But could you imagine if we all have had a YouTube channel since we were 13? And now we're all like almost 40, well, 50. And we've had that much time behind us. How many times people would say you're changing, you know? And like all those people that are complaining about you changing are also changing in their own way. 
or not, but you know, you can't help but change when five years goes by, you know. And so, yeah. just the idea of like somebody said to me, you're not like you used to be. I'm like, yeah, I'm not at all like I used to be because I used to make one video every two weeks in between working for clients and slinging plywood and trying to keep people happy that have absolutely nothing to do with my YouTube channel. And as my YouTube channel started to evolve into my real job <coughs> or my full-time job, I'm extremely happy now. I don't have to deal with clients. I don't have to take jobs that are going to inhibit my creativity or the jobs that I take just for the money. You know, someone's like, can you fix my floor and my bar? I don't want to do that. But if I need a couple thousand dollars, I'll do it. But I certainly, that would never, that would be on my last priority of things that I would do. And now I don't have to do those kind of jobs. And I can, instead of spending hours in somebody's bar where there's a hole in the floor, trying to patch a hole in the floor, I could make a video about making a candle cage, you know, with my new machine that people just throw these expensive machines at me because I've changed. And... I'm changing because I'm wanting to learn how to do all this new technology. So here I went from changing into learning how to use a CNC machine. This weekend I spent learning how to do actually the oldest craft in the whole entire world. So what happens when I do blacksmithing in the next couple of weeks? And people are going to say, oh, you've changed back, I think. Like what? <laughs> it's like you've you evolved. look at all. <laughs> you've changed back. I guess that's good. I'm not sure. So of course I'm going to use CNC and blacksmithing in the same video to really get everybody annoyed. But the idea is you've got to look at like a career. You know, you can't look at life through like a paper tube. You've got to look at the whole thing. And, and I find that some people that complain about us changing as YouTubers are looking at our lives through like a cardboard tube. You know what I mean when I say that? It's like mm -hmm. you basically put oh, your yeah. blinders yeah. on. And, you know, when people look at a project like that or look at a life or a career like that, it drives me crazy because every one of us has moments where – we're not going to please ourselves or the people that watch us or, you know, the people we work for or the people we live with. But when you step back and look at the whole thing, I learned that years ago. And I always remember in my mind, I, I was doing a, for the very first time ever in my life, I was doing what's called a, like a monthly retainer with a company. And I was nervous that they were going to feel like they're, they're overpaying me and getting less work. And the guy who hired me, it was his idea. He goes, look, why don't we just put you on a monthly retainer? And like every day I felt like I had to spend some time on their work. I was being like overly cautious that they weren't feeling satisfied. And I said, I had a conversation with him. He goes, look, he goes, well, look at this whole thing month to month. Because if you come up with one thing that takes you three minutes and it makes us hundreds of thousands of dollars, he goes, it was money well spent. So he goes, don't panic. Because it was all about developing products. And he said, he goes, let's just look at it, you know, every month. We'll evaluate it every month, every six months. He goes, so don't be so uptight about this. And that's really how I look at my life and my YouTube channel and other people's YouTube channels. Like if somebody has a hiccup and does some video or some project that seems like, you know, it doesn't satisfy my personal needs, I would never say anything because the following week they're going to come up with something that's going to be like, oh, wow, that's so cool. Yeah. So that's why I say you can't yeah. look at life through a paper tube. So I'll catch yeah. my breath and stop talking. <laughs> well, you referenced, <laughs> uh, you, you know, is your career. Not everybody has the luxury of just changing their career. So I'm going to I'm gonna take it back and we'll, we'll talk about hobbies. And hobbies will change over a course of time. Like my, you, you know, my stepdad used to be a big fisherman and used to play acoustic guitar. Now he has other hobbies where he does these metal sculptures because – he no longer gets the satisfaction out of fishing or playing guitar, and it, he's just naturally evolved into something else. For me, 
I've had many changes in my career. I've been able to turn my hobbies into change, and I'm very fortunate and and lucky to be in this position. But it's uh, and change is almost change is pretty important for my career because if I stick with the same thing. I'm going to get surpassed by everybody else, and I'm going to get lost in, in the weeds on YouTube. So I'm always trying to do something different. I'm naturally trying to change and, and do do these other these little things, and I'm also trying to incorporate all my past hobbies that I used to love into what I'm doing now. And I went to school for graphic design, and so um, I'm I'm starting to get back into that, and I'm able to use my new laser and CNC machines with that old skill of graphic design and incorporate it into making the videos that I do now. Yeah, yeah. I, so, like for me, it's kind of along the same thing where you've had a bunch of different things, and one has led to the other, and one has led to the other. You know, and you've jumped from hobby to hobby. For me, like moving from thing to thing has always been me it's since I was a kid. Like I never spent too long on one thing i would do it to where i got like decent at it or i got you know a certain level of accomplishment and i was like okay what's the thing that this connects to what's the next not entirely different you know went from ballet to soccer or something but like if i played soccer well what's the other sport that's closest to soccer that i could try you know share some stuff that i can move into that and move into this thing move into that so for me it's uh, I guess it's natural. It's not changing to change all the time. <laughs> Does that make sense? It's natural. My my natural progression is to always be looking at the next thing, is to be grabbing the next skill that's kind of remotely attached to the thing that I'm doing today. Yeah. And, you know, I want to learn, and I think both of you guys are the same way, I want to learn as much stuff as I can possibly learn. And the only way that you can learn new things is to be changing in what you're focusing on, changing what your hands are doing, changing, you know, where you are and where you're putting your time and your money and all that stuff to be able to learn new stuff all the time. And if that's seen as a negative for somebody, then that person and myself have just have a very different focus on like what, what's important to us. And that's perfectly fine. You know, um, I was thinking about this because I actually before, well, it's kind of tangentially related before you mentioned the change thing. I put up a video last week about a, um, it was a prop for a video game company that a friend of mine works for. And, um, it was a, a foam headpiece, right? Not something I'm personally very interested in, the, the piece itself, but it's a material that I still don't have a lot of experience with. I wanted a reason to do more of that material, you know, play with it some more, understand it a little bit better. And my friend needed a thing for his company. Great. Sounds like a good idea. I had more than one comment on that that said, hi, I'm Bob and I'm out of ideas. Mm. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and so the thing that was interesting to me was that I couldn't, I didn't exactly know why they said I was out of ideas. Was it was because I did another foam project because I've done foam in the past and if that's the case, does that mean I can only do one project in a material <laughs> ever? <laughs> right. That's a bummer. Is it because I was doing something for somebody else? You know, like, I, I don't know what the answer is. But it, it was really interesting, um, whereas I look at that project as a way to learn or, you know, become better at something. Somebody else saw it as me being out of an idea. Um, and I don't need to justify that to them. I don't really care. But I thought it was really interesting because you're saying... You know, what people have said to you is, you're changing. You're not doing the same thing that you used to do. And somebody to me is going, you're doing the same thing that you did that last time. Why don't you change? It's like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's the same thing in opposite directions. Right. But the thing that really got me thinking about this 
or the, the thing that I think maybe kind of explains it is TV. So this, this may be a stretch, <clears throat> but think about your TV show that you were, the shows that you were on, Jimmy. Yep. Those were formulaic. They had every episode. You could probably stack them on top of each other. They would have about the same length intro, the same, same grid. length setup, same exact grid, the same grid, right? Every single time. And every TV show is that way, except for like maybe some of the new really hip, whatever, you know. But any any DIY HGTV Food Network those shows they have a grid they overlay the content on that grid and it fits every single time and even if the conversations and the drama and stuff switch there's a beat pattern that everybody's used to when they watch those things and yeah. so when I think people are used to watching that and then they come to YouTube and they see one of our videos the first video they go oh here's the beat I get it. You know, Jimmy's going to go fast forward. He's going to make a knife. He's going to cut a thing. He's going to use the grinder. He's gonna, there's going to be sparks. And then, then at I'm the gonna end, shave my gonna arm. Like, and then you shave your arm. And then at the end, there's going to be <laughs> like the little, the little uh, wipe that where it closes out the thing. Whatever right. the beat is, right? They 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 see one. They expect that's the beat. <laughs> then when they see another one where you're doing something entirely different, hey, you're at a farm. There's chickens everywhere. What's going on? That's not the beat that I was expecting. You've changed because you're not following this pattern that I assume you have to follow. Because that's what media does. You know good, what I mean? Good point. Yeah. So I, I, I see that a lot because I, I, I see it in myself um, when I watch TV. When you expect a show to be a certain way and then, you know, this one has a different beat than the last one did, then you're, like, taken off a little bit, you know? So anyway, I think people are doing that to us um, just because that's what they're used to. And they don't necessarily expect the fact that we are individual people creating new things on a regular basis and those creations are going to take the form of like the mood that we're in you know the setting that we're in wherever our interests are i mean i think there's for us all of the personal stuff and all of the interests and the surroundings all feed into what we're doing at any given moment a tv show is a crew of 10 hundred people all <laughs> having to work together in some sort of a capacity to make a thing that's publishable and so there has to be a system in place. There has to be a grid for that to work. Um, anyway, I, th I think that's a... I don't know if that's a right ob observation of what's going on, but it makes sense to me. Again, can we address the fact that we are not complaining about the complainers? We're just... Oh, yeah, not at all. And, no. and they're very... Those people are very, very few. Like, most of the people very enjoy few. and are, come along for the journey. But it's just... You, mm, we I, we all I love changing. There's that's oh, yeah. not gonna that is not gonna change, is the fact that I love yeah. changing, and so I am I'm looking forward to doing the next thing, and I'm maybe one day I'm gonna be a professional welder. Who knows? <laughs> nice, yeah. I think that's a good point to say we're not complaining about the the complaints. It's not this isn't a wine fest. This is I really love to try to understand why people say things and why mm, people yeah. feel things. Yep. And and it I mean that helps. I think it's a good skill to have like in just personal relationship. If you get a, a better understanding of why somebody says the, the things that they say, uh, then you have a little better picture of who they are. And so it's really interesting for me in comments to try to figure out like, you know, where did, where did that come from? Like, what was the expectation? Not that I have to try to meet it, but what was the expectation? How did that get in place? Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, one of the comments, and it's, it's there to read if I haven't checked to see if he commented back, but... One of the guys says, you know, I'm a subscriber, but I don't watch anymore because you've changed. And, you know, I don't need to see all the CNC stuff and all this other stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's not real making to me. 
And of course, we can do a whole episode on really what it takes to set up a CNC machine and the mental capacity that it takes to just click that button. Because you don't just think of it and the machine doesn't read your mind and the machine doesn't just go, oh, I think I know what you want. Is this what you want? And you're like, oh, that's perfect. I didn't have to do anything. I could lay in bed. What was There's the so title of that more. video? Uh, which one? The one that I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, what well, the you mind made versus handmade? Oh, handmade versus mind made. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I said, well, I made it with my mind. So does that mean it's not valid? <laughs> right. I mean, of course, I did a lot of hand work in it, and my fingers touched the keys as my brain made the decision to move the pattern around on the screen, and I decided exactly where the vectors were going to be cut, just like I would have if I was using a hand jeweler saw. Um, so that's why I kind of brought up also that argument of handmade versus mind made, but. As far as changing goes, I, I said to the person, and I, I think I kind of alluded to it already in this conversation, but to clarify, I said, in the beginning, I was at a point where I was working all the time to just make my my ends meet. And at that time, I constantly dreamed of having a machine that would do these type of things. And I dreamed of, and then never ever thinking I would ever get a plasma cutter, for instance, or you know, a milling machine or a lathe or a CNC machine. All these things are like, you know, those belong to rich people and those belong to people that I'll never be able to get access to. And now I have access to all those things. So I've changed into these like fantasies that I've always had. So yeah, I've Hmm. changed. I've changed. I've worked hard and I got to a point where people are willing to let me experiment with their machines because they see how much I like to experiment. Even if it's a razor blade and and glue and tape, I experiment. And if someone gives me a $10,000 machine to experiment with, like, I'm so happy I changed in that direction because now I can experiment with it. And the person who has the money, who doesn't really know much about that machine, will see, oh, look at this guy's getting to play and experiment. It's like getting to, like, drive a race car all the time and experiment. It's like, you know, being like the guy in Top Gear, but instead it's machines. And it's, it's just super exciting because three years ago, I never believed that I could get to this point where they would deliver this giant machine to me and say, oh, here it is, have fun, play with it. And so, for me, change is good. And I, and I hope that the fans and the people on a big scale, and I think it's true, see that, and, and they also get inspired and get out there, get outside their comfort zone. So, you know, like, we're like kind of, we get to explore these things so that more people will say, oh, wow, look what he's done with that. That's exactly the vision I want. You know what? Let's figure out how to get our hands on one of those, or at least access to a makerspace that has one of those. Or even, yeah. how can I do that with what I have, right? Right. To, to exactly. spark that creativity in them, yeah. 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 I, it might be, you were mentioned earlier, kind of, I think it's a joke about doing an episode on setting up digital tools or CNC, but that actually might be a really interesting, well, I don't know if it'd be interesting, <laughs> but it. I think it would be an interesting walkthrough of like, Take one simple CNC project and talk through, maybe even 3D printing as well, talk through all of the potential setups, all the all the failures that could happen, all the stuff that you have to look out for. Because I think if somebody doesn't have any experience with those tools, they may see it as push-button digital fabrication. You know, like, yes, I want to make a model of this thing, so I'm just going to go into 3D, you know, uh, 360 Fusion and, and model it real quick. They don't, right. they don't think about the fact that that's like 50 hours of modeling face in the monitor, you know, like making it work right. Um, so that might be interesting just to give some perspective on some of that. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. You guys let us know on Twitter if you think that would be worthwhile. Yeah. Um, uh, so another thing I was thinking about here it, with change in general is, and this is, again, not one of those like you're right or wrong things. It's a personality thing entirely. But from my perspective, 
every situation that I'm in, <clears throat> every conversation I'm in, every relationship I have with people, they all inform to some degree who I am. Like they give me a better understanding of a person or of a place or of a skill set that I don't have or whatever. You know, any anytime you're in a thing, you absorb some of the stuff around you. And if you're not interested in absorbing stuff, then you shouldn't put yourself in different situations. You should stay in the place that's comfortable for you, where you get what you think you need and just stay there. And if that's what makes you okay, go for it. For me, I'm far more interested in gathering information about people and about what makes things work and uh, you know, gathering skills and all that stuff. And the only way that I can do that is to put myself in different situations all the time is to be able to meet new people, spend time with them, get to know them, not just meet them. Um, it's to try things that I've never tried before in the shop and otherwise. Um, you know, and that's just a goal of mine is to to experience as much of this all <laughs> as I possibly can. <laughs> and I can't do that if I'm doing the same thing over and over and over. Now, granted, nobody told me that they were worried about me changing. So this is, I'm not speaking for you, Jimmy. But for me mm -hmm. personally... That would be, if somebody said I had changed, that would be one of the biggest compliments they could give me, hmm. even if it wasn't intentional. I like that. Because that's an absolute goal of mine, to grow and to change and to gather, you know, as much as I possibly can. But, and that's what I have to say about that. Yeah. Yes. It's funny. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to th think, is, has there been an example? I guess the biggest example would be, for instance, Casey Neistat, right? When, when he started vlogging every day, everyone seems to know his story for the most part. He had 500,000 subscribers. And now he's flying in helicopters. He probably has all the money he's ever going to need. He works for CNN now somehow. He's developing all the stuff. Yeah, he's changed. And I think it's such an exciting ride to watch him change. Now, mm -hmm. it, it, you know what I'm saying? Like That's the biggest example I can think of. But I've never watched a YouTuber who's changed nearly as much as him or even a fraction of what he's changed and said... They're changing. I want to see the same exact thing I saw the first day I found this video channel. Mm -hmm. You know, or even television shows. Like think of, you know, Monster Garage or any other show. On TV, they'll change to the point where the, the network's just going to turn them off, and you'll they'll go away, and you have no idea where or what happened. But in YouTube, where we live our lives in public for the most part, or some part of it, live people get a chance to see. But I mean, I don't really have like a a, a specific point. The idea is that. When people change in the public's eye, it's a good thing. I mean, unless they, they go yeah. backwards and then you're like, wait, you're changing. You, you know, you, you need help. You need therapy because something bad is happening. But if you're, yeah. evolving, if you're evolving in your craft, if it's filmmaking or if it's jet setting, whatever it is, and you get to go do bigger and more better places, I don't know. Bigger, better, more machine, yeah. machines. Better, bigger, better, more technology. Like I said, I mean, last week I was playing with a CNC machine. This yesterday I was like heating metal in a fire and hitting it with a hammer. So it's not like I'm going to go from a CNC machine into a rocket ship into space. You know what I mean? It's like I'm going all over the place. So <laughs> that would when be someone, awesome, though. <laughs> so when somebody says you've changed, they're like they're watching me through a paper tube. I said, I go. Oh, I said yeah. uh, one of the comments I said, I go, yeah, I go, yeah. And if there was a, a maker robot suit available where I could just sit in the thing and use my mind and my eyeballs to control the thing. You better believe if someone gives me one, I'm going to be riding it and playing with it. I'm going to be making things with robot hands. <laughs> because that is cool. Yeah. Well, for me, I don't know what the difference between change is and taking a risk. So 
Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm taking a risk, and if you don't take that risk, you you're gonna mess out on so many opportunities, and you're gonna mess it out mm. on well, so, so many other possible paths that you can take, happiness, fulfillment, and, and all that. And I am where I am in in my happiness because I've taken so many risks, I've made so many changes. Yeah, I agree. And let's flip this over real quick because I don't want to I don't want this to be framed for people listening as like. Changing means getting new tools, and changing means going to digital tools. That's not at all, I think, that's that what's spawned the conversation on YouTube. But I think it's equally as marked as change. Let's take a hand tool woodworker. Hand tool woodworker cuts his first dovetail. It's all right, not so great, but he decides, I'm going to get better at it. And he spends a year, I think Jay Bates is doing this, Spends all this time cutting dovetails every single day. And you better believe he's going to change over the course of a year cutting dovetails by hand. He's going to get better at them. He's going to get to the point where he can do them without even thinking about it, and they're going to look great. But that's change, right? That's that's dedicating yourself to something to change your ability in it. And that is equally as impressive as gathering skills, you know? Um, change can also just be focusing on something and getting better at it or getting deeper into it or a better understanding of how it works or, you know, whatever. I encourage people to change no matter what the thing is you want to do. Anyway, got anything else on this? Change. I'm going to change forward, backwards, upside down, sideways. It's going to keep changing. Yeah, I think everybody can expect all three of us to change constantly. I'm going to stop using fast forward. (laughs) You do, do an entire video... Slow-mo. In reverse. <laughs> in slow Real-time reverse. reverse. <laughs> and at the very last frame of it, which would be the very first frame, say, I've changed. There you go. Boom. I've got give you up. Speaking of, okay, that was a good segue. The new episode of No Dumb Questions, this is not my thing for this week, but the podcast that we've talked about in the past, No Dumb Questions, they had a guy on, their first guest this week, and he can you can tell him a word and he can say it backwards like that. Wait, was it David Fuhrer? It's, uh, I can't remember what his name is. Because my friend David Fuhrer, my friend David Fuhrer speaks backwards. He's actually a friend of mine. Oh. I know him from the toy business, and he's been on every TV show in the world. Look up David hmm. Fuhrer. He's Fuhrer. lives in L.A. and he speaks backwards at the drop of a hat. We, me and my brother, would always tell him when we first met him twenty five years ago. We'd always tell him dirty words and everything. You know, he grew up doing that, but. We would make him say stuff in reverse. If you and if you record him and you could have the ability to to reverse it, he would actually. That makes sense. Yeah, that's what this guy was doing on the podcast. He had his phone and he would re- say something and then play it backwards, you know, to play it back. And hmm. they did all these tests on how many words, how many syllables he could get and stuff. Anyway, cool episode. Go listen to it. Um, all right, we want to do some Twitter questions or we want to wrap it up. Uh, let's do a couple of Twitter questions. One good one? Yeah. Um, Two good ones. Okay. Okay, here's... Uh, hmm. This is from uh, Carl Carl Recker. How has the podcast affected the three of you? Channel growth, approach, inspiration. Anybody want to take that? I'll go first. Go for it. Uh, it. Whereas I would have these mental conversations alone in my head and argue, and then slowly it would just fade away and I'd forget about them. Now I have a chance to talk about them here with you guys and maybe more people can benefit from them. So it's changing the way that I kind of make mental notes throughout the week of what I want to remember to talk about. B 
being able to say, you know, yeah, change is a good thing because I'm getting to live out my fantasies that I never in a million years thought I'd get a chance to use this machine or own one of those or get my hands on that. And then being able to uh, changing it for the visual of the YouTube and then changing here, constantly needing input to be able to put output that. So you need input. So constantly talking, remembering things to discuss and try and keep it fresh. It's like being a teacher. You want to mm -hmm. keep the attention of your students and making sure that they're getting something out of what you're giving them. So, and in the process, I'm learning as much as whoever seems to learn from me. Hmm. Well, for me, it, gets, it gives me a chance to interact with a couple other people and get some feedback or maybe brainstorm where I normally don't get to do that because I work by myself. And the podcast brings a little bit more structure into my life. So I, I know on Mondays we're doing this and then Thursday I'm editing the podcast and Friday, you know, we promote the podcast and that's what it does for me. Yeah. I think that's a, a big part of it too. Like our, our lives and our schedules can be so chaotic because we're just like trying to do so much stuff. It is kind of interesting to have like at the beginning of the week, especially to have like a marked, here's a thing we have to do, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that's been good. Um, the, another big thing for me that I think has been good is it's getting tougher and tougher to come up with stuff to talk about from a, like, let's think of a topic. I think when we just, like, hang out and we talk and stuff, that's easy because we're friends and we have tons of stuff to talk about. But if we try to come up with a topic, that's getting harder and harder to do, but I think it's also a pretty good exercise because I think it's forced us to, like, all the low-hanging fruit, we got out of the way pretty early. How we got started, you know, we talked about cameras. We talked about all, all that stuff. And that's all out of the way. And we revisit some of that sometimes. But we also, like, we'll go, like, what's something, like, that's important. Like, last week, you mentioned mental health. Like, that's a thing that was on your mind, something you cared about and you wanted to figure out how to talk about. Um, and so I think it's interesting that we have this thing where we're, like, trying to come up with topic mm -hmm content, you know, that it's kind of forcing us to brainstorm in different ways, stuff that wouldn't make necessarily, you know, a, a great build video or something. But on, on the subject of mental health, I had a few people reach out to me and share their story with me, which was amazing to hear some of these stories. And uh, I still don't know how to approach the subject here on this podcast. And maybe it, it can be an episode in the future. But I think um, in the immediate future for me, I'm going to bring on a local expert on my YouTube channel and where I can have a conversation with that person, maybe um, have somebody, have some people submit questions. And this person can speak as an expert on the subject and mm -hmm. I don't, um, I don't, and I don't offend anybody or approach something the wrong way. So, yeah, that's cool. Smart. One of the people that reached out to us, um, was my friend Adam, who's a counselor, and uh, he lives in Atlanta. Hey, Adam, if you're listening. Um, yeah, so if we ever did want to have it, have do something on the podcast, he was totally up for jumping on with us as well. So, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Keep that as an option. Um, cool. What have you guys been watching, listening to? All right. I yeah. recently came across this channel. Uh, it, it was, it's been shared all over on Facebook, and maybe you guys have seen it. The channel's called The Q. This guy uh, makes makes. Uh, I'm gonna put a link in the show notes here. But the guy makes all these weird contraptions, and he'll use these these needles as uh, hydraulics 
Oh, hypodermic needle. Yeah, the hypodermic, hypodermic. balls. Yeah, it's absolutely oh, amazing. He syringes. Yes, yes. And so he makes this machine that like picks up a Coca Cola can and flips it up upside down, all oh, using these syringes. Yeah, it's amazing. Whoa, I have not seen this. It's so cool. Oh yeah, it was all over Facebook this week. A few people sent it to me. It's so cool. Um, so this week uh, I, I kind of got drunk on the All Me channel. And everybody seems to know this. Like I said, it's a little outside of like our maker wheelhouse because these guys are just like strictly blacksmithing stuff. But check out the All Me channel and uh, and you see the guys from Baltimore Knife and Sword. Each week they get challenged to make something. And they make crazy stuff with beautiful antique equipment. Some of the machines they have are over 100 years old and they're still operating power hammers, all kinds of cool stuff. And since I mentioned Ellen in the beginning of the show, Ellen is the girl whose video I just liked. She is, uh, she was there. She wasn't working though. She was just hanging out. They obviously have like a big social circle. There's a big circle. Um, oh, I met the coolest guy. He's going to be in my vlog this week. I met a guy named Wally Yate, Wally Yater. And he's 80 years old. He's an old blacksmith and he's got the greatest perspective. I felt like I was talking to a 30 year old in the body of an 80 year old. So um, you'll see some stuff. So I met some really cool people, and Ellen was one of the people I met. Ellen Durkan, D-U-R-K-A-N.com. She has a YouTube channel, which you can find through her website. And it's, uh, you know, there's not enough women in the maker community, like like all, like all favorite girls that, that work with us. Um, and this girl doesn't have a big YouTube channel, but her work is incredible. She combines fashion with blacksmithing. Hmm. And if you wonder how that works, you got to go take a look. Hmm. Interesting. You know, somebody brought up recently that we should, I think when we were asking for topics, somebody asked about how to get women into uh, the maker community more. Um, I, that's something I'm super curious about, but I don't I don't know that I'm qualified to answer that as a man. I'm still pushing Taylor. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm going to show... You know what I mean? I want to mm -hmm. show Taylor this website. I think she'll be inspired by this young girl's work. It's incredible. Hmm. So anyway, I, I just say that to like throw out to people. I, I think that's a fantastic topic. Um, I kind of feel like three dudes talking about that might be a little underrepresentative. And there are a lot of women that are doing really awesome stuff. A lot of woodworking women, a lot of, there's a lot of metalworking women. Um, I've seen a lot more on Instagram. It seems to be that um, a lot of the women woodworkers I've seen have a bigger Instagram presence than YouTube. I don't know if that's, maybe that's just my observation of it, but... Uh, so if that's something you're looking for, if you're looking, if you're a woman and you're looking for inspiration or whatever, uh, you know, look around on Instagram. I think there's a bigger community there for it, and maybe we can get some communities mixed up. But um, okay, so for me, I have not been watching YouTube lately because I just haven't been here and uh, haven't had time. But I have been watching a new TV show, and actually, it's not a new TV show; it's new to me. The Goldbergs. You ever heard of the Goldbergs? <laughs> I'm familiar with it, but I haven't watched it. Okay, so it's like a couple of people have told me I should watch it over the years because it's like set in the 80s, and the kid, the main character kid in it, is like know, 13 or 14, and so he's into all the nerdy stuff that I'm still like from the 80s. <laughs> so, you know, super into Star Wars and GI Joe and Transformers and all the stuff that I grew up with and everything, um, but. It's a really funny kind of family sitcom, um, but there's just tons and tons of 80s reference, like lots of 80s music in it, lots of movie reference stuff that they bring in. It's a really funny show, and they're like three or four seasons in, but I can highly recommend it. It's a good show. 
Um, I guess that's it. Unless you guys got anything else. I want to thank our Patreon supporters. Uh, Make, Build, Modify, and Luis Gonzalez are our top supporters over there. And we got to come up with a new way to, to thank Patreon people. We've been doing the same spiel for like 112 episodes, 113 episodes. So we need a new way to thank them. Thank you, guys. We'll, we'll write a song for them every week. New song. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's Jimmy's job. He called <laughs> it. You guys are the musicians. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we do do really appreciate the support from everybody over there. Thank you, guys. Cool. Well, I uh, guess that's it, unless you guys got anything else. I think we're good. That's it. I don't love being the host. I do love a lot of things, but I don't love being the host. But Jimmy, don't you don't like change? Just... No, yeah. no, not this kind of change. I'm nervous. Mm. I'm afraid I was going to drop the ball. Bob, you're so good at it. You're like a... Like a radio announcer, Bob. It's almost like you have your own podcast. It's almost like that. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back next week, and Jimmy will do the intro again, and we'll he'll get better at it. That's right. Because that's how change happens. Practice. That's right. Practice. Thanks, Love guys. It. See you guys next week.